You're listening to another episode of The Zag. Eric Desaub here. Excited to be joined by Alana Holt, a 2017 inaugural NLCLA Engaged Fellow and a recently graduated 2018 NLCLA Institute Fellow. Excited to have her on. She's working in a very topical field. So let's get to it. All right, Alana, when you tell people what you do for a living, how do you answer that question? Um, I keep it short and sweet. I say I'm an immigration lawyer. And so when you tell people that these days, I'm sure you get a lot of questions right away. Uh, when people ask you about what's going on in the border, if you have any thoughts, what's your usual answer to that? Well, people's most comment, first, I get I get one joke. And to anybody who's listening, I um, would love to sort of give this public service announcement that if you are ever having a conversation with an immigration lawyer and they introduce themselves as an immigration lawyer, please do not make the joke, well, you must be busy. Mm. <laughs> it's obvious. And also the joke has got, it got old a very long time ago. It was probably never funny. But, um, and then obviously the next question is always, you know, have things gotten worse? Is there, you know, a difference that you're seeing um, in terms of uh, what's happening with immigration enforcement? And the answer is yes. And it's uh, gotten worse, obviously, and in, in all levels and it's gotten worse in ways that are very public and known to people, which is obviously what's happening at the border, which is that there is now zero tolerance policy, which means that any person who can be prosecuted for illegal reentry, which is a federal crime, every person who can be prosecuted is being prosecuted. So that is a pretty obviously a very dire and situation urgent crisis at the border, but it's also gotten worse um, at pretty much every level of the system. So there is increased enforcement, there have been raids, um, and then the operation of the immigration courts themselves have gotten, um, have just changed a lot. So the options for immigrants once they are already in proceedings um, have gotten, have dwindled a lot. And then the ability for count the attorneys for DHS to use their discretion to come to a fair result in removal proceedings has also dwindled. So um, pretty much at every front, immigrants um, are being attacked and affected in ways that are much different than prior to 2017. And then I feel like on the news a lot now you're seeing volunteer efforts happen, which is encouraging, whether it's donating money or folks donating their services or time. So if you could be magically whisked to the border, what kind of ways would you want to try to support the the work that's going on there to reunite families or to protect families in the first place? Well, I think one of the biggest um, areas of need right now is ensuring that immigrants who are being detained at the border, whether it's children or adults who are being placed in proceedings, know their rights and are and have their rights protected. Um, and so I think access to counsel and access to, um, you know, good immigration advice and, and um, lawyers to protect them throughout the process is really essential right now, because one of the more devastating consequences of this systematic um, targeting of families and the abuse of children is that um, many parents are being advised that they need to accept, for instance, a voluntary departure. They need to accept their deportation in order to be reunited with their children. And these are all individuals, most of whom who have valid asylum claims. So while the humanitarian crisis is certainly present and needs to be addressed, 
the sort of other larger looming crisis is the fact that, you know, once families are reunited or once parents go through their prosecution process and they take their credit for time served plea or whatever ridiculous criminal proceeding the federal government is putting them through, that they preserve their asylum claims so that they can actually be safe in the United States and not have to go back to a country where they fear for their lives. So I think um, making sure that all of the individuals who are at the border, whether it's children or adults, um, are actually having the opportunity to ask for asylum, which is systematically being taken from them right now, is is probably um, is an equally urgent crisis as, as the family separation. So then if we're able to magically whisk you down to the border, let's continue with a ma- magical theme and say we could actually have some progressive politicians in the White House or taking over Congress. What actual immigration policies would you want to see from a very progressive set of politicians? Oh, that's a great question. Well, obviously, um, the criminalization of the asylum process should end immediately. Um, the criminalization of removal proceedings should end immediately. There is no reason at all that um, people, families, individuals, teenagers, young people, young men, whatever the demographic, there's no reason that the act of trying to cross the border into our country should be uh, treated necessarily as a security threat or a security risk. That is a fundamentally... I mean, I think that is a conception that we have all internalized, including progressives, um, that it could benefit from some pretty radical changes. And so I think the militarization of the borders, the militarization of border enforcement, the existence of ICE um, should all be up for question. I think that if you conceive of the processing of individuals who are seeking asylum as something that should not, that is fundamentally not a law enforcement um, project, but rather um, a humanitarian and uh, human and administrative process um, where families are, you know, given shelter instead of incar- instead of being incarcerated. And you know, in fact, that would probably cost much less money than treating it as a law enforcement problem. So, you know, I could I could speak for a long time about what I would ideally like to see at the border as a progressive. But I think that shift in how we look at this, quote unquote, problem from being a a security issue and a law enforcement issue to um, a humanitarian issue and and a question of um, due process and of um, and of fair treatment and equal dignity. I think that that would result in pretty radical, dif- radically different practices across the board. And then your work on this was also um, happened for the Muslim ban as well. Can you share a little bit about that? Sure. So um, the nonprofit that I work for, which is called Immigrant Defenders Law Center, we're based in Los Angeles. We also have offices um, in Riverside and in Orange County. Um, we were one of the organizations that was part of um, a network of, of attorneys that sort of cropped up essentially overnight um, in response to the Muslim ban. Um, once there were stories trickling in of individuals who were being detained at the airport 
and of there being a lot of chaos at the airport, um, there was a pretty remarkable effort of attorneys who showed up um, to try and give legal assistance. And we came armed with um, these forms called a G28, which is like your entry of notice of appearance. So it's, we basically showed up to try and be counsel for uh, individuals who were being detained. And it was a pretty amazing thing to watch sort of from the beginning of the from the beginning of the Muslim ban to sort of when most of the court orders were issued that resulted in people being let through when this sort of immediate crisis of detention at the airports lifted. It was just in amazing what happened in that short amount of time. I showed up at the airport in response to a call to action. It was on Saturday morning. So I guess it was the Saturday morning after the ban was first issued And, you know, there was like five lawyers and we were like walking around LAX, like yelling out to people saying, if you need help, like if your parent, if your relatives like haven't come out yet, we're lawyers, please talk to us. And of course, most people at the airport who were waiting for their families, they didn't want to talk to us. They didn't, they couldn't fathom that their family members weren't being let through. These are people who they, the only way that they could ever get on an airplane in the first place is if they were given permission to enter our country. Um, and it was by that night that the airport was essentially taken by protesters. One level of the airport was sort of um, occupied by the public. And then there was, you know, an enormous team of attorneys there that were just trying, you know, it was sort of case by case of you know, being advocates in any way we could. That involved obviously talking to media, talking to journalists. I had the CBP number in my cell phone. We were calling um, Customs and Border Protection as often as we could to get through. We were trying to fax in these G28s to show that these people were represented and just do everything that we could to get them out. It was a, you know, it was a remarkable thing to to be a part of and, um it does feel there was a similar sort of effort and zeal that during that time as, as we're seeing now. Nice. When we come back, I'll ask a little bit more about how you ended up in this line of work. Thanks for listening to the Zag. Stay tuned. So when you knew you wanted to be a lawyer, did you always know you wanted to be this type of lawyer? Um, I guess in the broadest sense, yes, because what I do now is fundamentally, I'm still a litigator, which means that um, I work on court cases that are in sort of an that are of an adversarial nature where I'm up against another side. And there is some arbiter, usually a judge, sometimes a jury that like makes the decision. So broadly, I, um, I'm certainly not surprised that I've ended up doing this type of work. But when I was initially interested in becoming a lawyer, I was really interested in trial law. Um, and I actually started out as a public defender. So I was doing criminal defense cases um, out in Miami, Florida for the public defender's office. And then where do you see your career going from here? Um, I'm sort of... I'm still sort of in that process. NLC was obviously really helpful in helping me try and envision and map out what things look like from here. Um, Obviously, I mean, I I always intend to um, do civic service work and to to be a public servant. Um, I really love direct services work. I love being a lawyer um, for clients. Um, But obviously, I think in 
the future I want to be a bigger part of reform efforts, to be a bigger part of the broader struggle to uh, eliminate mass deportations, eliminate uh, mass incarceration, and eliminate the criminalization of communities of color um, and of poor communities. So how that looks exactly, I'm not quite sure, but it will certainly have those aims. And then anything you'd like to recommend for us to keep an eye on, whether it's news sources, podcasts, favorite authors on this topic, what should we do to stay informed? Um, I would say definitely keep an eye on efforts to equip, uh, you know, communities who are being targeted with attorneys and with legal help um, and to, to not uh, only keep an eye on this issue when there are major crises like what's happening now. Um, and to really educate yourselves on um, what efforts are being done in between the crises to make sure that there is due process for all immigrants and that, um, you know, all people are having access to the courts because they, they still exist. There are still avenues of relief. The courts have not gone away. Um, and so I guess just be vigilant and, and stay persistent even when um, these stories aren't sort of immediately in your face or popping up uh, on your news feed. Nice. Well, listen, thanks for all the work you're doing. And thanks for everyone for listening to this episode of The Zag. You can find all past episodes in the iTunes store, in the new Google podcast thing. I'm not sure what it is yet. It's so new. But also on Spotify, on Stitcher. We'll have more episodes coming later this week. Until then, we'll catch you soon.